0: Well, once again, good morning to you. Somebody, somebody is happy to be here. <laughs> is that Elise? Elise is... <laughs> the little joy? That's okay. We'll take that. <laughs> Great to see you this morning. Got a break from the humidity. Hallelujah. I heard that we were warmer than the Amazon at one point in that. Uh, that's what I heard. I mean... I don't know if that's true or not, but it felt like it. Thank you for uh, being here today. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us this morning, and uh, just really appreciate you, and uh, thank God for each of your lives, and we're going to jump right in here, and uh, let's pray, and let's go to the Word of God. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. Lord, thank you that you're already ministering to people. Lord, a lot of times we feel like that the, uh, that the music, even the fellowship time is kind of like a warm-up and then the preaching is the real stuff. Lord, it's all the real stuff. Lord, when, when we worship and you move and you touch, Lord God, you've probably ministered to some people and you've given them exactly what they need for today. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, again, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would illuminate the word of God to our hearts, that we would be changed and transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that this would be a message of, of, of encouragement and hope to each person in here, Lord God, no matter where they're at, what season they are in in life, that you would speak and encourage so, Lord, we ask that you would be lifted up this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. The title of my sermon this morning is uh, Times and Seasons, Times and Seasons. Um, I do pray and, and, and hope that this is a message of encouragement to you um, wherever you're at in life. Um, the last few months have been really a time of, uh, of searching for my own heart and uh, this morning, uh, as a part of this message, I'm just going gonna, gonna to share my heart with you once again um, as I've been doing the last few weeks and just kind of where I'm at. I'm going to be looking at a few passages of Scripture that I've been meditating on, dwelling on uh, a lot lately, and uh, so just kind of invite you along um, for, the, for the ride, for the journey this morning. But uh, um, as I said, I've, I've we got a ringing here, Jeff. Is that me or is that, uh, that's just maybe something back there. I love our sound men, by the way. They do a great job. And uh, yeah. And a lot of this stuff is not their fault. Um, but usually, you know, when it's going good, we don't pay attention. When it's going bad, we go, what in the world are you guys doing back there? But usually it's not their fault. There's glitches. Um, speaking of which, you will be hearing more about that later. We're going to try to improve our sound system. So there will be more information coming on that. So uh, uh, look for maybe a letter in the mail. But we're going to be trying to improve our sound system to try to alleviate some of the glitches that we deal with Uh, we have kind of a dated system here so there'll be more on that later Um, I'm very excited about it but these little things are reminders that we're excited about updating our sound system so um, I don't ever know that we're going to get rid of completely all the sound problems until we get to heaven I wonder if they're going to have a sound system in heaven you think maybe not Uh, I think I think God his voice will just be magnified I mean it'll be awesome Imagine a sound guy in heaven. What are you guys doing back there? You know, I, I can't imagine that, so. Sorry for my active imagination uh, coming out on you right then. But uh, I've, been, I've been, you know, just reflecting over the last several weeks, just things in my own life, um, you know, the, the importance of finishing well. I, I shared that message, talked about my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law passing away and the importance of finishing well. Um, looking at our own personal inventory, what God is doing in me and through me, um, his call to us to be faithful. What am I doing with what he has given me? Because ultimately one day we will stand before God Almighty and we will give an account for our lives. That's going to happen. And it will be a stewardship judgment. Were we faithful to that which God has given us? And he's not going to look at you in light of comparing you with anyone else. It will just be you and him. Um, In this journey, I've been uh, been reflecting on specific times and seasons of my life individually, my marriage, my family, uh, the ministry in which God has called me to. By the way, just to let you know, we're all in ministry. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're called to ministry. We are called to be faithful to that which God has given us. That is a ministry unto the Lord. But I've been thinking about the times and the seasons that I've gone through. Um, You know, difficult times, times where you have questions, the silent times where God seems like a million miles away. Am I I talking to anyone here this morning? Have you ever been there? Have you ever come through those times where it seems very difficult and you're thinking, what in the world is going on here? Then there are those times where you, it seems like God is close, no matter where you turn, He's right there, He, he, he feels close, that's why we can't ever go by our feelings, because sometimes he, he does feel very close, but sometimes He's very close and He doesn't feel very close. But I want to talk this morning about times and seasons I want to talk to you, and I hope this is a message of, of encouragement to you individually, um, you know, maybe as, as a family, um, but also as the church and, and what God is speaking to us in each chapter of our lives. Every chapter is important, and how we live out each chapter is important. Nothing is wasted with God. And I'm not talking about that we, you know, we we sometimes measure life by just the spectacular. You know, we are creatures of finish lines, aren't we? Or or, or the big crescendo, like the big goal, like here's what we're doing, here's what we want to do, that is what we're living for. And I think by human nature, that just happens to us. We're here, we want to be here, or there's something going on and we want this to be going on and that's kind of the goal, that's kind of the top of the mountain. And in life, we just measure things by getting to the top of the mountain and then we look for the next mountain to, to climb. And then in between is we just kind of, we just survive, we muscle through and, and, we're, and we, we look to the next top of the mountain. I don't even think that that's a biblical concept because every day is important with God. Every part of the journey is important to God. Sometimes we're looking at the top of the mountain. He says, what about what I'm speaking to you right now? That's why a lot of times in Christianity, in our faith walk, we can live, uh, you know, and, and, and the Bible says that we're to live from glory to glory, that we are, He is our glory, and we're supposed to live with Him. But a lot of times we live from frustration to frustration. And we live in this kind of frustrated state of, well, man, if I could just get there, that's the goal. If I could just get to the end of this trial, the end of this... And God is saying, I am here for you today. I want to walk with you today. The journey is as important to God as the finish. And a lot of times we miss out on the journey and we get discouraged in the journey. And we need to know those times and the seasons. But we, we like to live for the spectacular. We measure in results and the spectacular. We measure in the, that realm. We love results. We love visible results. We love to be able to see the results. You know, how much of this did you do? How many of this? How, you know, how often? And, and, and we have these numbers in our minds, and we, we measure by results. And God wants us to stop looking at the results of the earthly realm. Stop looking at the spectacular. Being faithful to him is spectacular to him. Being faithful to him in the mundane is spectacular to him. Because when we get there on that day, what greater words, and I think about how that's going to, you know, I think about it regularly. Of Jesus the Son of the living God, the King of all kings, looking at me and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to everything that I created you for. And feeling His embrace, there's nothing going to be like that. Nothing can compare with that. And so our faithfulness to Him is spectacular to Him. Even when it's seemingly not that spectacular on the earth. We have to get out of the mindset of, of results. In the economy of God, no time is wasted. God doesn't waste time. God doesn't just put you in a little vortex of time and say, you know what, for, that, for this period of time, you're just going to be kind of you know, on your own and uh, you know, there's really not going to be much going on with your life and... And that's just going to be a vacuum of time. And wait till you get to the other end. Then I've called you to the other end of that. Now, there's times and seasons where it's dry and it's hard, but God is still with us in the midst of it. There is no wasted time in God's economy. He uses it all for His glory. Isaiah 55 is a passage that has been an anthem to me um, over, over the last bit, too. It says, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we begin to define God and we begin to define Him by our own human reasoning, we, we, we are in a mess because His ways are higher than our ways. There is no time that's wasted in the economy of God. And we have to stop measuring things from an earthly perspective, an earthly realm. A few passages, I'm just going to jump in here that I've been meditating on. The first one is this, and some of you guys have heard about the, these 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 men? People have written about it. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard a message preached on it. Or maybe it's mentioned, but this is interesting. It's an interesting passage from 1 Chronicles 12. In the midst of this, it's it's one of those passages that you can read if you're like me, and it's just a bunch of names. You know, it's just like people that you know did this. It's lineages and. Um, I don't necessarily read those word for word because it gets a little tedious, but I'm glad that God puts all those names in there because to me, what he is saying is everybody's important. You know, you do have David and you have his exploits and we say, wow, David is kind of like the hero of the faith. But you know what another hero is? Is this person in the Bible that you've never heard their name before or you come across at once in a lineage, but God said they had a part in the kingdom. I love that. And in and, and 1 Chronicles 12, these are numbers of the men who are, they were armed for battle, who came to David at Hebron. And this is just at the beginning of, 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 of 12, you know, in 23, it says that he they came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. That's verse 23. So this is the purpose of all these names. Then it gets down there to verse 32, and it says, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding or discernment of the times and the seasons to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brothers were at their command. The sons of Issachar listed in this long list of names. It says they knew the times and the seasons or the word there it's like discern. They knew the times and the seasons they were in. And they knew what Israel ought to do. So they were, they, were, they were men of wisdom. They were men of discernment to know the times and the seasons. It is so important for us, folks, to discern, to know what time and season that we are in individually as families, as a church, knowing that God is sovereign and he can be trusted no matter what time or season that we are in. But it's when we get our eyes off of him and we begin to measure in the earthly realm is where we get lost in the shuffle and we get very frustrated. But God is calling us to give us his holy spirit to walk in a spirit of discernment to know the times and the seasons. Another passage is from Ecclesiastes 3. You'll be very familiar with this. So song from the I think the 60s that was written about this passage. Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. The writer was looking at all of the stuff that was happening around him. And he says, here's some wisdom. There are times and there are seasons under heaven. And we all go through these times and these seasons. And our job is to hold on to God in every time and every season. And then in 1 Corinthians, this will be a main part of my text if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul uses an analogy here of farming. And I thought, what a better place to talk about farming than this group. But let me begin by saying, I don't know a whole lot about farming. <laughs> I, I know some obvious things about farming, but uh, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend that I'm going to speak to you on it from an expert level of farming. Um, so uh, I, I think the principles here that we're going to look at are, are awesome spiritually. 1 Corinthians 4 Paul is writing to the Corinthian church because what they were doing, you got to understand, the Corinthian church, they were, they were kind of swayed and blown by the, you know, if this was popular, they would run over here, and if this was popular, they would run over here. And he, he was trying to get them to be disciplined in their thinking and to think, you know, God thoughts instead of self-thoughts. These, these people were very self-absorbed. 1 Corinthians 4, 4-11, and Paul says this, When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow, or God brought the increase. It's not important who does the planting or does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. And here's where he drives this point home. Now, others are building on it, but whoever's building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It is all about him. And what he's trying to get the Corinthian church, and it's a word for us, he said, stop running after this and stop running after that. Who is Paul and who is Apollos? He says, "I am. A, I, I, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's it's not about the things that we do or we're called to do. We are workers, and we're not we're not special. We're just simply doing what we're called to do, and we're we're building on the foundation of Jesus. But it is God who makes things grow, and He's getting their eyes and our eyes off of this or that, and getting our eyes on Jesus." Because there are different times and different seasons. You see that he is making the distinction. He said, you know, I planted some seed in your heart. And then he was done with his job. And then Apollos came along, who was another man that helped him in ministry. He said he watered that seed. In other words, he, he brought something else to you that began to bring water to the seed that was already down in there, and then it, and, and it began to grow. But it was God who brought it, made it grow. Not Paul or Apollos. It was God who made it grow. From Scripture, and I, and I know that, that, that farmers can probably think of a lot of different seasons, but there, there, there are distinct four times and seasons of farming. There's plowing, planting, watering, and harvesting that, that I want to talk about. Farmers will go, well, there's spraying, there's, you know, picking rocks. You know, I know there's, there's a lot of things that we could talk about as far as farming. But I want to look at those four things Because it fit neat within my sermon notes. So uh, there we go. But the four times and seasons of farming plowing, planting, watering, and harvesting. We as human beings, we like the watering. That's kind of where, you know, we get the refreshment. Our crops need the water. Those Those are refreshing times. And we really love harvesting because that's when you see the results. That's when, you know, they're out there with the combines and, you know, and we are so happy. That's the time of year where we're praying that the rain stops and that the snow holds off and they can bring the crops And That's the result stuff. We love that. But we cannot miss out on the plowing and the planting, the hard work, the tedious stuff, the discipleship part of this, because it's as important as the other's. We have to know that every time and every season is good and it is ordained of God. When you have that mindset, it brings you great joy and great peace. When we are walking with Christ, He ordains every season. Even if you're not walking with Jesus and you are far from God, He will ordain seasons to get your attention. But every season is good and it is ordained of God. And the key to not getting discouraged, the key to not losing hope, is that we have faith and we have trust in God that He is the author and the finisher of our faith, that He is the one that brings the increase, and He is sovereignly in control of all of our circumstances and all of our seasons. Romans 8.28, a lot of you are familiar with this. All things work together for good. To those who love God... And we hear that, and we memorize it, and we've heard it a bunch of times. But isn't that a very difficult passage to get your mind around? All things work together for good. And we, again, we, we say it, and we champion it, we amen it. But when we, when you get to that actively working out in your own life, because it's easy to preach that to somebody else, isn't it? They're going through a really hard time and you can throw your arm around them and let me encourage you with some: All things work together for good. You just take that and you head on your way there, friend. But when you're in the middle of the hard season, that passage becomes very, very real and it needs to become real because it is true. All things, all means all. Work together for good to those who love God. If you don't love God, it's going to be hard to realize that it's working out for your good. And those who, to those who are called according to his purpose. Every time and season works out for the good of those that love God. That's why it's so important like the sons of Iskar that we discern or we know what God is saying during those times, what God is speaking, what he's ministering to you. Let's look at plowing. Plowing is the hard work. You know, from an observational point of view, plowing doesn't look like you're really doing that much. I mean, it's hard work. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but you know, if you just took somebody that did knew nothing about farming and you just said, you know, we're gonna our our our, our ultimate goal is the, these stocks of corn. You know, that's the goal. And and you just see somebody and they don't know anything about farming and they just see these guys plowing the dirt. The obvious question is, what are you doing? How does that get that? Just wait. It's important. You know, I know nowadays they have those blades that they pull behind, but you, know, you think about the old days when they're plowing up that hard, fallow ground. And even today, it's not easy. I was talking to Andrew the other day, and he's just talking about sometimes you have to go over those fields over and over. You're trying to get that field where it can be ready to receive seed. Because in all of this, you can't skip one stage to go to the next. You can't plant seed in hard, fallow ground, it won't go very deep. And most likely, it's going to die very quickly. If it even makes it up at all, and those plowing times of life are so hard. These are the times where, what I was talking about. Sometimes you get in those difficult seasons of life, and you're saying, "God, what are you doing?" And sometimes He's He's plowing at our heart. He's softening our heart. It's like the prophet said to the Israelites. He said, um, "You know, God wants to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." I'm softening your heart. And so sometimes if we have a problem with hard-heartedness and we've become bitter and we've become harsh, God will allow you to go through those seasons where he's plowing up that hard ground in your life. He's making it soft and pliable so that seed can get in there and begin to grow. It's those times of silence when we say, God, what in the world is going on here? I shared this story, you know, I've, I've shared it a couple times, but, you know, when we were, we were going through a very difficult season, we were out east in Tennessee, and I remember uh, I, we needed to hear from God, and it was a very hard time, and it, God seemed a million miles away. And, you know, it seems like when you pray that, you know, the, your prayers hit the ceiling and, and, and they come right back down on you, and you just feel like, what's the use? And I remember I just said, well, I, I'm going to get up early, and I'm gonna, I just got to go over to the church and pray and seek God. I, I got to do something. I'd get up in the morning, go to the church, and I'd walk around the church and pray. And The presence of God was very sweet. I mean, he would meet with me, but he wouldn't speak anything of significance to me. I wanted direction. I wanted to say something specific. And, And then I would just feel his love, and it's like, all right, I know you love me, but what about something specific? What about some direction? What about this or that? And, you know, it's amazing how you can just kind of go from the spirit to the flesh very quickly i'd come home athena said did god say anything nothing no he was very sweet but he didn't say anything and it was a plowing time because i look back on that time and we were going through some very difficult things and it wasn't just about our circumstances or our surroundings or or you know difficult people that were in our lives it was god was doing something in us and he was plowing away at our hard hearts we needed that season in our lives to soften us and sometimes God will use you to minister to someone that is very hard. Maybe they're very hard-hearted. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a coworker. And this is kind of that beginning level, the beginning stages of salvation for someone's heart that you might be the person that, that simply loves them, is kind to them, and it begins to soften them. And they might be harsh to you or resistant or keeping you at a distance. And your calling is to just lovingly plow and allow God to do the work. So sometimes God uses us to plow. Sometimes He's plowing us. Sometimes, as a church, you go through seasons of plowing where it seems like, what in the world? I want to see some fruit, I want to see some results. And God says, be faithful to plow, it's soil preparation. It's digging up the ground, softening the ground so the seed can go in. And you know, this takes time. This takes time. Because there's a personal application to us as well as using us in ministry. And the joy that we can get from it is that God is preparing for something. He's getting ready to do something. But here's how we, as human beings, we we operate. We are so confined to time. It's like, all right, God, you've been plowing for a couple of weeks. I'm ready. God's thinking, I was more like thinking a couple of years. Because sometimes seasons are long. And we're like, God, aren't you wasting your time? He's like, nope, I'm not in a hurry. You forget, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Time does not mean anything to me, your time. And we get so caught up and go, okay, I'm ready. Or God speaks a word to you, or 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 He's given you a promise, and you go, you wake up the next day and you go, I'm ready. Where's that promise? God says, Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of stuff that's gonna happen in between all of that. Be faithful. Be faithful. So the joy we can get when you're going through the hard seasons. Here's the joy and encouragement you can take through that. God's preparing you for something. Allow him to do his work. Allow the plowing. Thank him for it. As Paul said, be thankful in all things. Even when you're going through those hard times, the silent times, the quiet times, even as a church, when we're, we're in a season that it seems like, whoa, you know, what is going on here? It seems like there's very little happening and God is saying, no, there's a lot happening. You keep on going after me. There is a lot happening. But see, this is where so many people give up. There's seemingly no fruit in it, but it is necessary. Don't give up. Don't shut down when you're in those times. Be encouraged today that God is preparing your heart. He's preparing the church for something. Then there's planting. There's times and there's seasons of planting. This is when the seed is going in the ground and again, from an observational point of view, you know, they, the farmers get all their planting done and, and it's kind of uh, wait and see. You don't really see anything yet. And there's those times and seasons where it's in the ground and you go by and it looks just like it did the week before. Oh, but there's something in there, and it's going to come alive. And again, we can get in those times of planting when God has planted something in you. He's given you a promise. He's given the church a promise. He's promised something for your family, and it's planted deep within you. Again, as human beings, we like to say, okay, you know, all right, you planted it in there. Next week, we want to harvest it. Well, think about that in farming terms. You guys plant in April, okay, we're ready to bring it in. May, how about May? Um, Well, it's about that tall in May. And it's growing. Allow God to plant his word, plant his life. Do the planting in your heart so that it can begin to grow. Again, this is a personal application for us, but sometimes he'll call us to plant seed in others' hearts. Just like Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, I planted the seed. And so our job is to be joyful seed planters. To go out to, to uh, plant seed by the way we live our lives, by what we say and what we do, in, in word and in deed. To be an encouragement to someone. To plant seed in their heart that, that maybe God has, has dug up and he's gotten it soft. And so now they're ready for some seed. And he might use you to simply speak a kind word, to speak the word of the Lord to them in a a time and season. Maybe they come through a hard season and you have the right thing at the right time and they see something, there's a seed that drops into their spirit and it begins to grow. But this can also be a hard season because again, we don't see immediate results. The seed goes in. And we don't see it anymore for a while. Because see, as people, we like to see stuff. We love to see stuff. If, if, if I don't see it, it's not happening. But God said, yes, it is. It is happening. This is where the place of discipleship comes in. Discipleship is the hard work. It is the planting of seed in the Spirit. I was talking to Nate the other day, you know, and he, we were just kind of chatting, and he was talking about, you know, and Jesus said, go and make disciples. That was the command, to us is to go and make disciples and you know i began to think about that as we were talking you know and and jesus didn't take these 12 guys and say all right i'm going to put the the first, here's how we're going to begin your ministry you know because he said come and follow me and he began to teach them he began to pour his life into them you know jesus here's the son of god with all power and authority in him he could have taken those 12 guys and just put a just a holy whammy on all of them they have no sin nature anymore, they're, they're holy, they're, they're ready to go, and they are going out doing the stuff immediately. Why didn't Jesus do that? Couldn't he have just went, bam, and then they're, and then they're, they're ready to go? He said, come and follow me. I'm going to pour my life into you. There's going to be times where I'm going to rebuke you, and he rebuked them hard sometimes. He called them faithless. He called Peter the devil. If you've got thin skin, you don't want to be discipled. Let's just put it that way. Not by Jesus anyway. Get behind me, Satan. That's what he said to Peter. And Peter's like, whoa, you know, not quite what you want to hear from Jesus. But he poured his life into these guys. They couldn't cast out a demon one time. And he said, you faithless generation, how, do I, how long do I have to put up with you? You know, there's James and John, you know, when they go out and, you know, God's using them with some power and authority and so they're feeling pretty good about themselves and they come from a city that doesn't pay any attention, you know, to, to the gospel and they ask Jesus, they said, should we call down fire from heaven on them? And Jesus goes, wait a minute, boys, you don't even know what spirit you're of right now. But he didn't remove that from them. You, you, you see, there's, a, there is, there's something sovereign about why he didn't. He didn't take that stuff out of their flesh. He worked with them and he modeled what it means to make disciples. Because if Jesus couldn't zap their, their flesh out of them, how, how do we think we will? But we we'll see, we like the instantaneous. We like to bang now, I don't have to deal with it now. You, just, you, have, this, you have this moment, this encounter, and, and, and now you're good. And we've missed out on the church what it means to disciple people. That is where the hard work comes in. But it is work that will bring a harvest. We are called to make disciples. That is that planting. That is that training. That is that mentoring. That's coming alongside people, walking it out with them. Sometimes in the spirit, the seed lies dormant for a while. We know in the natural it lies dormant for a, a little bit, and then it comes out. But sometimes the seed, the spirit, it lies dormant in there for years. In some cases, The seed that you plant in someone's life, you may never see that seed come out of the ground. You were just faithfully there to plant the seed in them. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who brought the increase. Our job is to plant with joy. Be a light, plant seeds, also knowing that sometimes God has put some things in there in your own life, the personal application or the church application where he's planted some seeds. And they're lying dormant right now, but they're going to grow. They're going to grow. We have to give them some time. A few years back when I was youth pastoring, I, I, I picked up a hitchhiker. I don't always do that, but I did. I felt God wanted me to this guy was uh, living in a halfway house, he had been in prison, and I gave him a ride, and uh, you know, we start talking, he's a pretty nice guy, and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, they always ask you that magical question, as a minister, it's so funny, people's responses, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a minister, and then, you know, just depending on where they've been or where they're experienced, man, it just goes into a whole weird kind of thing you know either they had an uncle's cat that was a pastor or um you know just something kind of it's just it's funny or or maybe their demeanor can kind of get cold to you because they've been hurt in church or whatever this guy just starts laughing hysterically he goes i cannot even believe this he said my sister is a christian he said she's been witnessing to me all my life He said, and God's been trying to get a hold of my life. She is going to laugh, laugh, laugh when I tell her that I was hitchhiking and a minister picked me up. (laughs) And so it just opened up this thing, and he had, I mean, he had heard the gospel. This sister was faithful. He had heard it. And so, you know, I just shared, you know, that God has a plan for you and that he's not given up on you and got to where it was going. I just prayed over him, you know, and it was just a simple, you know, 45-minute car ride. And I'm thinking, I had the opportunity to water a seed that has been planted a long time, a sister's tears over her lost brother. You know, and she hadn't seen any of that grow because he had just been, and he said, I've been living my own way, and I've, I've, I've you know, I've, unfortunately, I've, I've seen the results of living my own way. I think of the sister's tears who planted those seeds and here I come along and I just get to throw a little water on that seed. And I'd like to say that, you know, he said, you know, uh, you know, what must I do to be saved? But he was, he was very open. He didn't do that. He didn't pray the sinner's prayer with him. But he, can't, he, was, he was very open to listening. Don't give up. Be joyful planters. Then there's watering. We know that, that all crops need water. We need watering in our own hearts. These are those times of refreshing. There's nothing better. You know, our, our farmers, they can attest to this because farming is a faith-based occupation. You know, and this, this stuff goes in the ground, it's growing, and then, you, know, we, you see dryness, and we, we need rain. We've been in here before where we've been praying for rain. There's nothing like when that gentle, nice rain comes through and begins to water those crops, when they so desperately need it. There's times in our lives where we need water, washing of the water of the Word. Something in the Word of God just waters the presence of God. We come and worship and the Holy Spirit ministers us. There's nothing like that. And it waters those seeds that were being, that were planted. And here's Paul that did some of the hard work. You know, he said, I planted in your hearts and then I left and Apollos came and gave you some watering and Apollos just had that ministry, you know, maybe he was encouraging the people. Maybe he was just, he brought kind of a word of life, brought them the word of God and just encouraged them and and, and he brought some of the refreshment that comes. Those are wonderful times. Like I said, when I picked up that hitchhiker, that that was fun for me. That was a lot of fun. I'd rather do that than be plowing in my car for 45 minutes. But sometimes God has you do that. You know, we go, I'm a minister, and he's like, you know, I don't want anything to do with what you've got to say. Let me out, you know. uh, and, And you start working through some hard ground. Watering is fun. And it's refreshing. And God may have you water some seed. God may want to water your heart today and encourage you of some of the seed that's been lying dormant in your own life. Maybe you've been dry and you need a fresh touch of his presence. You need a fresh word from heaven that waters. Again, it uh, doesn't matter what God has you. If, if, if it is watering, be a faithful waterer for the kingdom. And then harvesting. We all love this. Harvesting is the results part. But again, in this whole scheme of things, we are simply called to be faithful no matter what we're doing. The results aren't about us. And that's what Paul says. He said, we have laid a foundation like an expert builder. And I need to, he said, basically in, in, in my own translation, he's saying, you need to be very, very careful here because you and a, there is no other foundation except Jesus Christ. He is the one that brings the increase. But a lot of times we like to see those results, don't we? We measure by results. We elevate people by results. If this person's doing this and they have some results, we bring them in. The day and age where we live and if you study the Word of God about what an evangelist is, an evangelist brings the Word of the Lord and we need those in the body of Christ. But what has happened in the church is if you have an evangelist that comes and he's a watering evangelist, we love those guys. Results guys. But have you ever ever seen a plowing evangelist? He's got about 15 people in his meeting. (laughs) Because... That's hard. We don't like that. But we like results, and we have to get our eyes off the results. The results aren't about us. It is about Jesus. And there are going to be times of harvesting where you will lead someone to Christ, and there's that, it's that beautiful moment where you're bringing the crops in, and that is the joyful time for our farmers where you... You see them, you know, and the grains coming in those trucks, and they are, they are bringing it in. And, 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 and I tell you, you know, now living here for the time I, I have lived here, I, I, I try to pray regularly for our farmers and, and, and just pray that, that, you know, that those seasons will go right and they will be able to bring in the harvest. And that's the joy when you see those, those trucks out there being filled. And it's like, yeah, they're bringing it in. It's coming in. But you know, results are not about validating us, but we do, we, we do that. We like results because it validates us. It makes me feel better about myself. But it's not about that. It is about Jesus. It is about the God who brings the increase, as Paul said. You know, and this buzzword that we've used for so long about revival, what, it, what does it mean to, have, to be in revival or have a revival? Revival is simply this, that Jesus is glorified in and through me. But we have defined revival, and we all have different definitions of what revival means. I'm more a personal revival guy than a series of meetings revival guy. I think God can come in a series of I me. Mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't do that. I'm just saying I, 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 I'm more along the lines of seeing people walk in personal revival. Someone that has been harsh and they've, they've been a taskmaster at home and God works in them and he begins to soften their heart and they repent because in Acts chapter three, it says this, if you want times of refreshing, it says repent therefore and then that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When somebody walks in repentance, that's revival to me. Revival is that Jesus is seen, not a man. Not a manifestation. But that Jesus is seen. I think about countless people who are martyred for their faith. No one knows their names. We have people in the Sudan today that are martyred for their faith. And I tell you what folks, those people are going into the presence of God and the angels are singing and the angels are celebrating that life. That person was a person of revival. Did they have a series of meetings and that uh, were the western mindset? No, but they had a personal revival and they said, "You know what? You can shoot me, but I am not going to renounce my faith in Christ and I will serve him all my days whether whatever you do to me, that to me is revival." And these lives that are uh, lived in obscurity. No one knows their names. And they live for Jesus with all their hearts. Some of them lose everything. Some of them are sent to prison for many years because of simply being a Christian. And nobody on earth knows their name. They're not this well-known evangelist. They don't have a TV show. But I guarantee you when they die, they're in the throne rooms of heaven. And Jesus says, pay attention to that one because he does not measure things on the earth like we measure them. We must trust him for all the seasons and the times that we're going through. He ordains them, and he's working in us and through us to accomplish his will. I want to tell you a little modern-day parable about two missionaries. These are not missionaries. These are not real people. I'm just going to give you a little modern-day parable to kind of drive home the point as we come into closing you got Missionary A couple and Missionary B couple. They are sent from the same church. This Missionary couple, A, they feel called of God. They have a calling of God to go to this place in the world. And the church is saying, yes, we, you know, we, we're so excited for you. And we're going to send you out. And we're going to support you and pray for you. And missionary couple B, they're going to a different part of the world and we say yes and amen, we're going to support you, we're going to finance you, and we're going to pray for you. And they're sent out from the same church, missionary A couple. They get to where they're, they're going. And the people there don't trust them very much. They don't really want to hear what they have to say. And they find out very quickly that they're in a time of plowing, and they're just trying to build bridges of relationships with the people. And they're seeing very little as far as earth re, earthly results. In fact, it's very difficult and it's very hard. We get, we get emails back from them saying, please pray because the people here are not trustworthy. They, they don't trust us at all. They've been hurt and they've been burned and they, they don't want to really even hear our message. And so we, we literally have backed off and we're just trying to build friendships with them and love them. Missionary couple B, they go to their place and the people open, are open-armed you know, welcoming them. They begin to see things happen like crazy. They're, they're doing tent crusades where people are getting saved and healed and ministered to and they send emails back and says, man, the glory of God is in this. It is absolutely astounding what we're seeing here. And there's testimony after testimony after testimony and we get up on Sunday morning and go, let me tell you about missionary couple B. Let me read you their stories. And we are all like, yes. I mean, this is incredible. This is awesome. And as we go through their their, their testimonies, we go, and by the way, pray for missionary couple A, but here's what missionary couple B are doing. And then five years go by, and they come back. They're on furlough. And they come back to our church, and they're going to, Kind of share what's been going on, and we say, Well, how are you guys doing, Missionary Couple? A, get up there and they're kind of tattered and torn, and they have some tears, kind of painful tears. I said, well, we've kind of become friends with a couple of couples who are now kind of inviting us into their in into a friendship, and you know, and that's basically all we have. We're just simply building relationships because it is so it is so hard there it is so hard there but we feel like god wants us to be there and then missionary couple b man we are just championing them and they probably get a larger offering because they're seeing a lot of results man i'm gonna sow into that here's 50 bucks man keep doing what you're doing i'm gonna get some of that And then these couples stand before Jesus on the day of judgment, and nothing really changes in their ministry. And He will not measure it like we measure it. And He will look at that couple and He'll say, Well done. I called you to one of the hardest places on the planet. And you faithfully plowed ground there. You know, your work is going to now enable somebody to come and plant some seed. And somebody's going to water some seed. And there's going to be an increase. But guess what? It's not about those who plant and those who water and those who plow. It is about Jesus Christ, the one who brings the increase. And so you are faithful servants to me. Enter in. Here's a crown. Here's a robe. And they walk in with joy, saying, we accomplished what we were put on the earth to accomplish. But from a results oriented place, it didn't really look like they did that much. But we cannot measure how we, we can't measure on the earth how they measure in heaven. They both had revival. This couple had a revival of plowing. This couple just happened to co and they had a revival of harvesting where another couple, maybe 20, 30, 50 years before, were plowing the hard ground here. And now this ground was ready, this place was ready, and they just happened to walk in and harvest what had already been plowed, planted, and watered. And they just had to be faithful to bring it in. Because the bring it in, the harvest, all the good stuff, the signs, it's not about them. It's not about how slick they are or clever they are. It's about just being faithful. Because it's not about the one who plants, waters, harvests. It's about Jesus. Don't give up, folks. Don't give up in your season. Don't give up in your time. Don't measure through earthly means. God is working in you. God's working in me. He is working in this church. But we have to give him room and we have to trust him in his sovereignty in the time and the season that we're in. Because trusting him is the key to joy. It's the key to peace and it's the key to contentment. Philippians 4, what did Paul say? He said, I've learned a secret to be content in all circumstances. In other words, all seasons. Whether I have a lot or I have a little. Whether my stomach is filled or I'm empty and I'm hungry, I learned this. It's a joy and being content in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says. You are sovereign God over every season of my life. So I'm going to choose joy and contentment and peace in you. Knowing that God is in control. In Colossians 3.23, it's on the front of your bulletin. And it simply says this. Do all. Do everything. To the glory of God. You might be in a season that you're plowing, or God's plowing in your heart, or you're in a very difficult time. Allow Him to do the work. Some of you might be here today that you have not been walking up with God. You're far away from God, or maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I'm not. I'm talking about unconditional surrender. A lot of times we give him a little piece of this and a little piece of that, and we withhold, and he's saying, no, I want you to jump in. I want you to come, all of you. And maybe you haven't done that. And he's using times and seasons in your life, too, to draw you to himself. Because sometimes God in his sovereignty, he lets you do it the way you think you're going to do it. He lets you be in control for a while. Just so that you can see, and he's like saying, this is merciful, because I'm, 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 I want you to know that I want you to be miserable without me. I want to be in control of your life. And he's using those times and seasons, maybe hardships, maybe difficult things. It's not that God puts it hard, that he's this mean person. He'll allow it to happen to get, a, get our attention because he loves us deeply. He loves us so much he, he doesn't want us to be without him. But knowing that the time and season, if you're far away from God, that he is in pursuit of you. He's after you because he loves you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to close there. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for the times and the seasons that you call us to. Lord, really, this life that we live on earth is just a tiny little vapor of eternity. And Lord, we are going to get to rule and reign with you forever and ever. Those who belong to Christ are going to inherit the eternal kingdom. I can't even, it's so amazing. I can't even believe that you're letting us do that. And Lord, this time on the earth is made of times and seasons. And Lord, we admit that those, those hard times, oh God, those difficult times, God, it's hard to get through it. But we need you. And the first group I want to pray for this morning, because I want to make an opportunity, is if you have never completely surrendered your life to God, or maybe you're here, maybe you surrendered your life a long time ago, but you're just really not walking with God right now. And God has used some times and some seasons, He's trying to get your attention because He's in pursuit of you and He loves you. And this morning, you would just say, you know what? This morning, I, 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 I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my heart completely. I'm tired of going 50% or 80%. I want to give him, I want to jump in. If that's you, will you just raise your hand real quick? Because I want to give just a, a moment here where you could just say, I want to do that. Anybody at all? All right. next group I want to pray for is uh, you are going through a hard season right now. And that can manifest in a number of different ways, but you, you just, it, it is a, a plowing season in your life. It's just, it, it's rocky, hard. It feels like that, you know, you get a row done and it's like, oh, that felt like, a, you know, I felt like 10 rows and, and this is so hard. I want to encourage you today not to give up, not not to get weary in well-doing. Because in due season, God's going to reap a harvest in your life. But I want to pray for you, just encourage and pray hope over you today. If you're in a very difficult season, you just say, you know, I I just need, I just need an encouragement from the Lord. Can you raise your hand, please? Hands all over the place. Will you agree with me as we pray? We just want to take a moment right now to pray for the Father in Jesus' name. Lord, we know uh, that there's there's no magic in lifting a hand, but Lord, it's just simply to come into agreement. Lord, we we see the hands, but more importantly, you see the heart. God, I pray for these right now. I want to just take a moment. Lord, you see the season that these folks are in. Lord, you see how hard it is. But Lord, you love each one of them. And Lord, I pray, God, that they would not give up. Lord, that they would not shut down. Lord, that they would keep their eyes on you and they would hear that gentle whisper, keep going on, keep running the race of endurance. This is is the hard part of the race. This is the hard season, but keep running. Keep running because in due time, there's going to be a harvest through this. Lord, it's not just a get over it word, but it is an encouragement in the midst of it. Just say, you can do it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep running toward him. Father, help them not to give up. Lord, thank you for each of their lives, God. I just pray your presence over them, your Holy Spirit to minister, to be that wonderful counselor, the comforter to their hearts. Pray in these days, these weeks ahead, God, that they would just have sweet communion with you would not give up. Lord I pray God uh, for those um, today Lord that may be planting seeds in others' hearts, maybe they've been praying for a loved one, praying for a friend, a coworker and they just it, it's kind of frustrating. They're not really seeing there's not really a, it's not reciprocated and, and it's like what do I say? what do I do? Lord I just pray. Lord, for those who, that are doing that seed planting, God, that they would go out in joy to plant the seed because, Lord, it is you that brings the harvest. We don't save anyone. You are the Savior. But I pray, God, that we would have a joy in planting seeds, that we would go out and be those joyful seed bearers and just planting seeds in other people's hearts. And, Lord, also for our own lives, God, the, the work that you're doing in us, that we would allow that seed to grow that might be dormant there, God. Let it grow. And Lord, we do thank you for those watering times, those harvesting times, the joyful times. And I pray, Lord, for those opportunities where we get to water, Lord God, those encouragement times, that we would do it faithfully. Because, Lord, as I close this time, I just, I, I, Lord, I just declare before you, Lord, in what you're doing in this church, what you're doing in our lives, it is not about the one who plows It is not about the one who plants. It is not about the one who waters or harvests. It is about Jesus Christ. You crucified, risen from the dead, and reigning forever and ever. Reign in our hearts. And Lord, may we do all to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week.